Welcome to the Evolve and Elevate podcast. My name is Jake, and my aim today is to add some positivity and value to your life. I have an unwavering belief that no matter where you are, who you are, what you have, or what the story of your past may hold, that you have the ability and inner power to change your life and the world for a better tomorrow, if only you will put in the effort today. Welcome back to the e podcast. I want to open this episode with a question. What are you made of? When the weight you carry becomes too heavy to bear, and you're ripped open by the metaphorical spear of struggle that life will inevitably hurl at you, what will be released? Will it be a core of titanium or a soft excuse ready to justify buckling under the weight and struggle? The one thought I want to leave with you is that it is always our choice to build up inner resistance through intentional self-growth, and it is always our choice if we decide to allow ourselves to atrophy as time passes uncapitalized upon. Silver Linings, Finding Growth Within Dysfunction, chapter called First Comes Love. During that summer, I spent a large chunk of my life messaging fierce and finding creative ways to get together. For our first couple of months of, quote, dating, unquote, we used her little brother as camouflage for our relationship. SM thought I was spending time with him as we were friends, but it was truly to spend time with her. Fierce's parents were also very, quote, loose, unquote, and they had taken a strong liking to me. They often helped by picking me up and even brought her brother to meet SM. Dad was usually working off shifts, so it was a while before he met them. Nonetheless, this worked for a while, but eventually SM found out about our relationship. At that time, I was going to Fierce's house daily after school. Her mom or dad would pick me up from the school and take me back in the morning during the week. SM didn't care one bit in the end. She had never enjoyed my presence much anyhow. SM and Fierce's mom became friends, and Fierce's mom would navigate resistance from SM flawlessly. Playing double agent and effectively trying to be a cool parent, she would even let Fierce and I share a bed. We were also allowed to drink at home and more or less do what we felt like. It was a difficult proposition to refuse. I was able to be with a girl I really liked and simultaneously stay away from SM. During this time, I did regret drifting away from my brother and father, but I felt so much freedom that I buried those emotions. During our early dating, Fierce's family took me on their vacations. Fierce had three siblings, two brothers, and a younger sister. Both of the sisters were competitive dancers. Fierce had retired from competition prior to meeting each other. But her little sister was still in competitions. We went to Chicago, Illinois, to Davenport, Iowa, to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I had never seen the ocean in my entire life. I was awestruck. Their family had disposable income and lived a lifestyle that was outside my norm. Fierce's mom would even buy me clothes and other items. They ate out regularly and spent each penny available. It wasn't until many years later that I realized how dysfunctional it all really was. Fierce's mom had an opiate addiction problem. She would permit us kids to have fun but expect obedience in return. During my time there, FN would regularly be drug-seeking. Hundreds of trips to emergency rooms far and wide, with invented aliases, with imaginary ailments, and an effort to find those who would prescribe what was sought. At the time, these addictions seemed far less violent and life-consuming than others I had witnessed through the years. However, it took its toll as time progressed. This monster would slowly siphon life from the family for years to come. Silver Linings Experiencing a lifestyle above what I knew was intoxicating. It blinded me against many dysfunctional characteristics of our relationship. In the future, I became more aware of such dynamics. All vices have consequences. Chapter titled, Drunk and Dumb Kids. FM had serial qualms when it came to utilizing the privilege of adulthood. 
from buying cigarettes to buying booze for us minors, she did not conceive consequences in the slightest. I was 15 and would invite the occasional friend over for the weekend. During one of these such weekends, the group decided to take advantage of FM's willingness to purchase alcohol. I personally was never a fan of the taste nor the effects as much as others, but FM entered a local county market, good things never seem to happen when I am near one of those stores, with a couple of teenagers in tow. They walked through the liquor aisles together, and the kids were pointing at different liquors. As they pointed, FM would grab the item and put it into the cart. From the outside looking in, anyone passing would have easily assumed that she was purchasing alcohol for the kids. That evening, one of the kids staying over took it to the next level. He chugged beers, and unbeknownst to me, chugged a significant amount of rum, an entire fifth bottle to be exact, which is, I believe, eight ounces short of a liter of hard liquor. He could not have weighed much more than 100 pounds. He was due home at the request of his parents later that night. We loaded up the SUV to take him home, and I was in the back seat with him, sober myself, and kept repeating over and over that he was not okay and that we needed to do something. He was unable to sit up straight and was slurring his speech so profoundly that everything he said sounded like gibberish. I honestly had never seen someone so intoxicated in my life. We pulled over twice on the drive to his house for him to vomit, and finally pulling up to his house, no one was home. Stumbling out of the vehicle, he claimed he would be all right. He continued to stumble up to his porch and into his house. Silver Linings When we know something is wrong, we have a moral duty to act. If we do not take action, we must accept being a bystander and own the results and have that on our conscience. Chapter titled, Unnecessary Suffering the next day, FM received a call from the kid's parent. They had found him passed out on the kitchen floor, dry heaving unconsciously. Taking him to the hospital, he was committed to the intensive care unit. They were pumping his stomach and trying to reverse alcohol poisoning. I could feel the color drain from my skin. I had never imagined anything like this could happen. Rushing to the hospital, we attempted to visit and check on him. I was able to briefly see him from a distance. He had an oxygen mask over his face and tubes protruding into his mouth. It was terrifying. My heart bled for his family, who had to see him in this state. I crawled away into a vending machine room. Alone, one of his family members approached. A man, three times my size and twice my age, walked into the room. He had tears in his eyes, and he began pointing at me, cursing. He said if the kid didn't come through this, he would rip my head off. I felt his pain, and I understood his emotions. I was sad, scared, and upset, too. He turned and walked away back to the kid's bedside. We weren't welcome there, justifiably. And without saying farewell, we left the hospital. Silver Linings Our actions impact many more than they immediately known. If more understood that decisions made will impact others on a micro and macro level, perhaps outcomes would be different? Chapter titled Investigation and Repercussions It wasn't much longer until police investigators were at the door. They questioned everyone in the house, FM, Fierce, I, Fierce's siblings. It was nightmares for everyone involved but I have to imagine it didn't come close to the nightmare his family was navigating. FN feverishly denied any knowledge that the kid was drinking. The investigators had brought a DVD with them, and they played it for us all to watch. It was footage from inside that county market store. FM and the kid were all walking together down the liquor aisle. As the kid points, she grabs the liquor and puts it in the cart. The officers pushed that if he didn't make it and she was proven guilty, she would be responsible for his death. Scrounging together a jigsaw puzzle of a story, FM advised the officers that he was helping her find items because she had visibility issues. Hitting a dead end, the officers left. After they left the house, the finger pointing began. 
This never would have happened if it weren't for me. Suppose it weren't for Fierce and me. It was our fault. FM was going to suffer for it. I admittedly felt guilty for all of it. For the kid in the ICU, for FM having purchased liquor, and for the potential criminal charges. But none of that mattered much longer. I'd gotten a phone call from a friend. The kid had regained consciousness and was recovering. We rejoiced, but for different reasons. Happy that she didn't have to face any more threats of manslaughter, FM rejoiced. I rejoiced because life didn't perish needlessly, one that I felt I had put into jeopardy. The rejoicing was short-lived. The investigators brought handcuffs this visit. The kid had given a statement that covered all bases of inclusion regarding FM. He had picked out the liquor, he had drunk it with her permission, and every detail from start to stop. It was a terrifying and traumatic experience for her children watching their mother get handcuffed and placed in a police car. It was a terrible experience for us all. I felt their pain, memories of watching my own mother getting taken away through the years flooded my mind. I hung on to the words that it was all my fault. The case would go to court. It was FM's first serious criminal offense. And while the ordeal impacted all involved, the results were livable. FM would get 60 days jail time and probation. She was permitted to serve the jail sentence on weekends, showing up Friday and leaving Sunday, evening so she could still be a mother during the week. The family overlooked this, and taking some ownership of the fiasco, I was forgiven, and my relationship with Fierce continued. Silver Linings Beware of those who are unwilling to accept personal responsibility. Be aware of situations in which we are unwilling to accept personal responsibility. Rarely are we completely guilt-free. Later in life, I realized that we can't take ownership for others' actions, only our own. To do otherwise is a fallacy, and that will only do us damage. Chapter titled, Life-Changing Moment Our relationship became much more serious without any warning. Fierce had been ill for a few days, and her mom scheduled an appointment with her doctor. Following that appointment, I received a call. A moment, really, that would change the direction of my life forever. Fierce called and asked me to meet them downstairs as they were close to home. She sounded off. As she walked through the door, her head hung low. She and FM sat on the love seat across from myself. FM looked frazzled. Making eye contact with Fierce, she monotonously said, You tell him, or I will. Fierce's eyes welled, and she turned to me. I'm pregnant. Silver Linings Our lives truly can be changed in a brief moment. We should never underestimate the power of now and appreciate the weight that carries. Chapter titled Ultimatum FM looked into my soul that evening. She laid out the landscape very clearly. I had two options. We could get married and raise a child under her roof, or I was to have nothing further to do with their family or the child. I was in shock. I had no idea how to react. But I did know one thing. No matter what, no way, no how, I would have nothing to do with a child of mine. I made a decision then and there that I would do everything in my power to be there for my child. Reverently instilling the mindset that I would not let history repeat itself, knowing that the regular absence of a father leads to inevitable handicaps in life. We were in over our heads, but Fierce and I did have a strong love for each other. While we were undoubtedly pushed forcefully to the path of marriage, it did not impact our relationship at the time. We were scared, unprepared, and unknowingly destined to fail, but we gave it a shot. FM did all of the logistical planning around the marriage. She even went so far as to help me obtain written consent from both of my parents, a requirement in the state of Illinois as I was only 15. They questioned the integrity of the marriage, but ultimately stood behind my desire to do so. Fierce and I held our wedding five months prior to our daughter's birth. It was littered with bad omens from all directions. The pastor who held our ceremony attempted to talk us out of it the day before the wedding. He explained that getting married for the sake of a child was a terrible idea. My mom told me that I was too young to know what I was getting myself into. 
Yet I didn't see it that way. I would have done anything to ensure my kid had my overwatch, the least of which was marriage. August of 2009, we were dubbed Mr. and Mrs. Silver Linings. Having experienced early life without my dad present, I knew I had to do my best to be present for my child. Sometimes bad omens may be worth consideration. Chapter titled, Downward Spiral. After the wedding, our relationship began to deteriorate. We were forced to grow up very quickly with little notice. We had stopped doing many of the carefree things our relationship had grown around. By the time our daughter emerged into the world, she was the only variable linking us together. We raised our daughter for quite some time in Fierce's parents' home. Fierce loved our daughter, but she also despised the repetitive pattern in mundane day-to-day life. Understandably, no typical 16-year-old wants to spend their days catering to an infant. FM stepped in often and helped with babysitting. I was in limbo, navigating between parenthood, high school, and the need to contribute financially to raising our child. At age 16, I made the decision to drop from high school and start working full-time. I had my driver's license and two hands and a child. I mainly did under-the-table jobs until I turned 18, such as drywalling and construction work. From 16 forward, I really, really let my health fall apart. I put on every bit of 200 pounds from age 15 to 18. I had tumbled into a depression and stopped taking care of myself. I would eat fast foods and adopt a cigarette smoking habit. At age 18, I weighed 350 pounds and was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. My wife and I had given up on each other romantically. She had found a boyfriend who consumed most of her free time. I still kept the main thing the main thing, focusing on raising my daughter. That was, at least until she wasn't around to focus on any longer. Out of nowhere, Fierce took our daughter and some of her items, moving into her boyfriend's home. Silver Linings Interestingly enough, our bodies and minds seem to have a way of warning us that things are not well. When we become depressed, perhaps we overeat and cease having concern for ourselves. There is likely something that needs to be repaired or changed when this occurs. Chapter titled, Estranged and Endangered. I was devastated. FM was blindsided, and the world I knew was turned upside down overnight. I worried about my daughter every night she was gone. I knew nothing good about her current boyfriend. On social media, he touted gang signs and posted less than gentleman-like content. During this time, I decided it was best that I move out of the house as well. There was little keeping me there, and it was an uncomfortable situation. I packed up and I moved back to Dad's. He was more than happy to have me back. He was recovering from his recent separation with SM. They had split, and it was hard on him. He was convinced she had used him to raise her children. When they were raised, she ran. Nonetheless, I was over the moon to be back with Dad. My brother had moved back to a trailer with Grandpa, and it turns out that roughly translates into, quote, playing World of Warcraft for a living, unquote. After a couple weeks back home, I received a call from FM. She had been on a video call with Fierce and shared horrific information. She claimed that Fierce had a bruise on her and that my daughter had a bruise on her face. She continued to tell me that Fierce's boyfriend had said he would beat me down if I tried to come to his home. I was upset. I was enraged. And with little more information aside from FM shared, I was scattered. What kind of man puts his hands on a woman and a child? I called Fierce and attempted to speak with her without gaining any ground. We spoke briefly, and she sounded all right, but I didn't get to see them or speak with my daughter. I was concerned and began working my way to ensure she was okay. FM was surprisingly helpful in this situation. She worked to get an afternoon scheduled with my daughter herself. She informed me that because Fierce and I were legally married that I could take my daughter with me anywhere lawfully. So I did exactly that. During the afternoon visit, I met with FM to get my daughter. She looked all right overall, but she did have a slight blemish on her face. 
Fastening her into the car seat, I began a four-hour pilgrimage from Rantle, Illinois to Quincy, Illinois. We would spend the next year or so there in my grandfather's trailer. Silver Linings. Somewhere, someone is available, willing, and happy to help us through a tough spot in our lives. Do not ever give up. Chapter titled, Grandpa's Trailer. I had spoken with my grandfather and ironed out the details prior to making the decision to take my daughter. It was bound to have a huge impact on her life, and I didn't make the call without considering the consequences. Life at Grandpa's trailer wasn't terrible, but it certainly was not glamorous. In the trailer were my grandfather, brother, our aunt, my cousin, my daughter, and myself. It was a single wide unit, and my brother slept on the couch. My aunt had a child who was about the same age as my daughter. During our time there, they became very close. I hadn't stayed in the best of touch with my family from Quincy, and while it wasn't the best of situations to enjoy a small reunion, it was nice to be back with my brother. Silver Linings Always consider all variables and potential consequences of actions. Again, if we are not willing to accept the consequences, we need to recognize that before taking action. Within the actual printed copy of this journey, there are several pictures of myself, my family in that trailer, my daughter, my cousin, and myself overweight before I decided to pivot in my life. At the end of this podcast season, I plan to upload them to my website to share. Let's go through a closing thoughts section together. It can be easy to have that metaphorical wool, if you will, pulled over your eyes when another impresses upon you something you may find impressive or intimidating, such as the lifestyle change that I experienced when dating Fierce. It is important to be cognizant of this dynamic to prevent glancing over the negative traits in others. Never hesitate to intervene when you recognize something is immoral, wrong, or dangerous for another. Not only should we seek to serve others, nothing is worse than having the ability to prevent something going terribly wrong that we know we could have prevented on our conscience. It is also important to not get tangled up in self-deception, whether it is in another's or our own. It is impossible to have ownership for another's actions when their choices were not a result of our choices. Equally true, if we are unwilling to take ownership of our personal actions, we will spiral into continual self-defeat. We are rarely ever prepared for the curveballs life throws at us. The best choice forward is almost always that we feel is morally and internally correct. That is, of course, if we have developed a strong inner compass to guide us. Referring back to the short introduction this episode... It is always our choice to bolster our inner strength to be able to more adeptly navigate such curveballs or our choice to atrophy and be demolished by them. I know this very well as after my personal curveball, I quickly fell into a spiral of self-pity, gaining weight, and destroying my body. It is critical to keep a close eye on our state of mind and when our bodies and mind start eventually showing us the results of our poor choices. The path forward is to recognize it, accept it, and reverse it. Thank you for listening. This is Jake, signing off. And remember, when things are looking down, you always have the choice to stay up.